what up what up what up what up welcome to this next episode of the podcast so glad you could join me again um i'm gonna i yeah i have to speak a bit quietly because everyone's i think everyone's asleep um it's like quarter to 12 we've had load shedding since 10 so i think everyone sort of gave up for the day at about 10 o'clock so yeah i'm probably the only one awake yeah so this is episode five of um lab diaries um where i'm tracking the progress of my um data science company called edna labs um up until now it's sort of been a really nice accountability tool um but i think that's sort of changed and you know i'll talk about that during the episode um yeah so welcome um welcome 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 i actually like the mood of this it's very like because i'm speaking quietly it's like dark it fits the vibe of being like a diary it's like this is a secret it really feels like the diary of a ceo you know like yeah i don't know if you've ever listened to listen to the the og episodes before um he made it into like this big thing with all these guests um but the diary of a ceo is a podcast started by this british entrepreneur and he basically it's basically his like an audio diary if i can call it that um and it feels like a diary which is crazy um just the the whole vibe of it but anyway so yeah so this is weirdly a really nice diary type vibe um just because it's so dark and i have to speak in hushed tone and 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 but yeah anyway let's get into it so for the first time ever um I'm supposed to do a proper intro now because I'm trying to make this slightly better. Um, so yeah, this podcast is for myself a week from now, a year from now, and 10 years from now. So that I can reflect on how the decisions I made at different points affect the effects of the trajectory of the company. Um, I actually just thought of something that I want to add to talk about. Okay, so so we've hit some really interesting milestones um, since the last, since episode four. Um, so I I can't remember if the, in the last episode I had already reached out to this potential client, but I have now reached out and had the first meeting with the potential client officially as Edna Labs, which. Ooh, that's really exciting um yeah so i've had the first meeting first official meeting as edna labs um to you know to potentially work with work with this company which serves the load shedding niche and then i would or my firm would come on board to provide them with um data science services um yeah so yeah, really, really cool. So 
So I think maybe at this point it makes sense to take a bit of a step back to even before Edna Labs. And, you know, I, I can talk about what Edna Labs is and even before Edna Labs and why I felt like, okay, this is something I need to do. So Edna Labs, okay, let's just start at Ed, the founding of Edna Labs and then work forward and backwards. So Edna Labs, um, was uh i spoke about this a bit in the first episode but basically i you know was researching um <clears throat> companies that don't require a lot of capital to start up um and i figured that this is and sort of the most common answer that came up as something that's that doesn't require a lot of capital and is somewhat straightforward to start up is social media marketing but i have no intention of going into social media marketing it is a crowded industry it is it takes me a bit away from the stuff that i already know how to do really well um so i figured that's not really where i want to go so i decided Okay, what do I already know how to do? I have my undergrad in finance and I have a, a lot of training and a lot of work experience in the data science space. So why don't I start something that has to do with either of these two things? And weirdly, in the long term, my plan is actually to go into finance, but in the sort of short to medium term, my current goal is to uh, set up my own data science company so okay so where uh, where did i learn data science what is what is all that about so you know it's crazy people like data science is a word that contains basically the whole i would say practice of data so if you've done any statistics actually you have actually done data science if you've done any statistics at all you've done data science um but if we're talking about implementation of like um data systems in a large organization that's another um sort of skill set that still falls under data science but it's like a different thing so and you need to set up those systems to be able to use the statistics and all of those cool things um for like a large company so i'm fortunate that i've had both of those experience with both of those experiences which is why i felt that it would make sense for me to start that and not do social media marketing or some other kind of thing um yeah so because there was a bit there's a bit of like a knowledge barrier to entry you have to have the expertise you can't just wake up one day and do that kind of work um and i have you know a proven track record in it from the three years of work that i've had in this large insurance company that i'm not going to say the name of here but is somewhat i'm sure pretty easy to find out if you just google it um but yeah so yeah so that's sort of a bit of a you know like quick sort of reason for why I started it or how I started it. Social media marketing, there's a lot of information out there on how to start social media marketing and all of that. 
I think a lot of that stuff applies to building and creating a company around, you know, data science, but obviously the actual deliverable is a bit different. So, um, so I felt that I could listen to a lot of the social media marketing guys and use a lot of their techniques, but then, um, in terms of getting clients and managing, uh, portfolios and things like that and pricing and all sorts of cool business stuff, but then provide a different service, right? So that's what I've done. A, a service that's harder to replicate, which is what I've done. So yeah, so that's how I came up with the idea. What got me there? So I've started, um, I've always wanted to start a business. I've tried to do a bunch of different things over the years. Most recently, I wanted to do something that taught people, um, basically taught people data science online. That didn't work for a, ho a whole host of reasons. Maybe one day I can discuss that. Um, but I won't get into that now. So I started that company and then there was a bit of a period. So I start that started that company in final year of university in 2019 and then <clears throat> and then worked in that all the way until about sort of the end of last year and so it, it was always a side thing um and i don't think there was ever really an intention for it to become a full-time thing um, I never really saw myself as an educator. I was more on the business side of things. And, you know, I tried to provide, so I had a business partner and I tried to provide input in terms of, um, you know, the education side of things. But I, that wasn't really my, you know, my expertise, like how to teach people stuff. That's not really um, something that I'm like, that I consider myself to be good at. Um, so I think that probably contributed to it not working, just that I couldn't really influence that side of things as well as I would have. Obviously, now I've learned a lot about teaching, but I still never did any actual teaching in the company. So, yeah, that's a thing. So, yeah, so so it didn't work out. So I I was sort of like floating in terms of, I mean, obviously, I have uh, a day job um, as a data analyst, which is, yeah, which is giving me a lot of skills and taught me a lot of stuff. And, um, yeah, but I know, you know, that I have more to offer in a way. So, to offer the world. So, I figured I, I definitely need, need to have something you know, on the side that I can use my whole sort of creative mind and it can be this thing that I can do how I want to do it kind of a thing. And, um, you know, it can make me a bit of extra money and give me the lifestyle that I want to have and teach me skills that I probably, and give me exposure that I wouldn't get, you know, at a corporate nine to five that I can get outside of that. So, you know, I, yeah, so, so there was a, a point in time where I was sort of just feeling unsatisfied with work and life and stuff. And so I started to help. And this was a very short period of time, but I started to help like other startups and advise other startups. Um, so I got involved with um, a UCT society. 
um, uh, called Enactus, which I was a member of, but then I wanted to join their alumni network and get involved in one of their projects, which if you don't any, if you don't know what Enactus is, each project is basically a startup. So I got involved with basically a startup through this um, university society. And so that was the one thing. And then the other thing was I got involved with a friend of mine's, um, her startup, which is a lot of things, but primarily it's sort of like a, let's call it a playground for African creatives. Um, so we offer a bunch of services to African creatives, finding work, finding other creatives to create communities, and then providing them with online education or online training. So, yeah, so there was a point, you know, I was doing all these things, but none of these things were mine, you know? Like, I was helping people and it was nice, but eventually I was just like, no, I need to think of what I really want to do. <clears throat> So I, um, so I, yeah, so I just, you know, so I'm also doing my master's, by the way, um, in development finance and I'm so I'm doing my thesis now, which is about, um, renewable energy in Africa or investing in renewable energy in Africa, which I think is really what I want to do professionally um in the long term so i was sort of thinking like okay how can i get there and i think maybe it's like a two-pronged approach the first prong being my data science company and then the second prong being probably applying to working in one of these funds that invest in these companies but that is content for a different podcast <laughs> um so, so, yeah, so, so I was like, okay, um, and this might be crazy, but I literally, there was literally a point where I was like, maybe I could, if somehow I just strike gold and I'm able to make enough money to, uh, start my own fund that invests in renewable energy projects, you know, that could be even, even better. But yeah, for now, it's a data science, it's a data science company. We'll see how big it can be as we go. But for now, it's sort of just, yeah, the, the potential is limitless, but the, but that remains to be seen. So yeah, so two-pronged approach. I could work in a company. I could start my own at some point. Um, yo, I don't even know if this is still making any sense. Um, but yeah, basically, I started a company, ran it for a bit, it didn't really work, decided to shut it down, was sort of out of it for a bit, and then I decided to start another company to get me to, which is really just a intermediate step to get to the big thing that I want to do. <clears throat> so... Yeah, so this is the intermediate step. Edna Labs is the intermediate step. The data science thing. I'm using the skills I have to get into the place that I want to get to. 
to learn more skills. Yeah. To get to the place I want to get to and use more skills to be in that place. That place being renewable energy invested. All right. So, yeah. So, that's sort of the goal of it. Um, the skills... Okay, yeah, I should probably talk about why... I mean, I did say why data science, but I don't know how specific I should get um, about how I got into data science to begin with. So, okay, so so this is this is it, right? Um, or at least this is the narrative I've been telling myself. So, I. Right, so I was in my undergraduate degree, I was doing finance, we got a talk from um, the CEO and founder of this consulting company that basically they, they provide like technology solutions to financial institutions, right? So tech for banks, basically, it's a fintech consulting company, you can call it that. And this guy came and he was like, and he gave this really great talk and he was the most not maybe not the most but he was just such a good speaker um very persuasive he really understood what he was talking about um but he didn't seem like and i'm see i'm realizing this is a quality i like in people he didn't seem so out of this world he seemed very human and approachable and actually he gave us like three different talks over the year and after i think after each one i actually spoke to him so yeah so anyway um so he gave these talks and he basically spoke about all these technology tools that us as finance students he felt we should know as part of our degree and and it was basic things it was like you know python um r uh i can't remember some of the other ones he mentioned but it was like you know basic sort of programming tools and I realized I didn't know any of these. So me and a few other uh, people in my class who had the same feeling were like, we need to get someone to teach us this stuff. So through that, we actually found my business partner for the last business. It was called Coding for Finance. Um, my business partner for Coding for Finance, we found her and she decided, she agreed to tutor all of us. Um, she was doing her master's in data science and um, fintech. So she she decided to tutor all of us and um, we became business partners. The other guys who sort of started it, they ended up just, you know, sort of dropping off because um, they wanted to focus on their degrees because we were about to graduate. So they wanted to focus on their degrees and um, they, yeah, you know, they were gonna go a very sort of traditional route kind of a thing so yeah so okay cool so what happened then was so basically her and i and we had two other people helping us but her and i basically started coding for finance which was meant to teach at the time finance students how to code hence the very creative um name so 
you know, so that so that's sort of how it went. Then just, you know, through sort of friends, um, someone mentioned to me that um this insurance company was uh recruiting for their data graduate program. And I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting actually that sounds really cool i would love to apply for this so actually so i applied um and to sort of skip to the end of the story i got into so i got into the program right and i was the only this is the interesting thing i was the only finance student i was the only non-engineer non sort of statistics computer science student or graduate who was part of that graduate program and i Till this day, I'm convinced that um, being a part of the founding team for Coding for Finance is what got me in. The truth is, and this is the honest truth, I don't think that I was, I had become that much stronger of a programmer um, by the time I graduated, as opposed to before I started Coding for Finance. Um, Yes, I'd learned some basics about computer science and Python coding, um, but I think the things that I'd learned, I could have learned from an online course in like a weekend, to be completely honest. So I, should, I think just the fact that I had that on my CV, started a tech company basically on my CV, I think helped me to stand out. So if you're you know applying for something, if you're a student and you're applying for something like that, Definitely extracurriculars go a long way, especially if you started a company. It goes a long way. Um, yeah, so so I got in. So that was when my data science training had begun because now I knew some of the basics. But now that when I got into this uh, graduate program, this data graduate program, that's when the real training started. So what did it consist of? There were sort of modules. There was like a few modules, maybe four or five modules throughout the year. And every Friday we would do, it was like school. Every Friday was basically a school day for data science training. So we went through all sorts of different modules. Um, we did one that was like artificial intelligence. We did one that was just based on delivering like a, we, like we could make up whatever tool we wanted and then deliver that. There was one where we had to um, break down a business process and replicate it using um, sort of data tools. Then cert and then we had to do certifications and all, all of it was actually, I remember it being a lot of work, but reflecting on it now, it was really, I can genuinely say it was really enriching. Um, and it was fun, you know, to get to know, get to know some of the other graduates and work with them and go through challenges together. And, you know, people complain about work. So complain about work sometimes like, no, it was, it was, def it was genuinely um, an exciting time. Um, and then, so every Friday was a school day and then during the, <laughs> the school day and then during the week, so Monday to Thursday, we had, um, um, like work, but it was on a, like a normal, you know, normal sort of gra graduate program type thing. You do like three, so we would do like three rotations in the year. So 
yet see three different parts of the business. And it's a big business, so there was a lot to see. So that was that was that was all really cool. Um so yeah, through that, that's where I learned a lot of the, the stuff I know now. Um and in this company, so it was nice because there was the company, but then the company had consultants working in the company. So we got to learn very, you know, the latest um, best practices when it comes to data being applied in a very old company, right? A very old but successful company. So you get to sort of see like the best of both worlds, um, which was really, really, I can genuinely say really cool. Um, yeah, and then after two years, rotations and, you know, work ended and then um sorry rotations and school ended and then in the third year you get like put in a team you know and then that's your team so yeah so i that's what i've been doing now for the whole of last year i was in a team um i was in a few different teams but um i found a home which was in the sort of sales department of this company um and that's where i've been ever since so yeah it's been really it's been fun um i definitely gained a lot um and yeah i guess you know i'm thinking i am thinking of ways i can give back and i think maybe the training company that i started in university i'll like do something similar to that but it won't be a for-profit thing it'll be more of a um like a, it'll be a non-profit so even if we charge people it'll be a very small small amount and if you email me i might let you in for free kind of a thing you know so yeah so that's that Whew, long story so yeah that's the roundabout story of how I got into this graduate program that trained me. Okay, so so the training is, yeah, it's very sort of cutting edge, best practices in terms of data science that, and not like, so, okay, so when I say cutting edge best practices, this is stuff that's going to be relevant for most businesses, right? It's not, your average business isn't trying to create chat GPT, right? So it's not that kind of stuff. It's things that are useful for, um, for businesses. Some of it, a lot of it's really interesting and cool and technical and difficult to figure out. Um, but it's not stuff that's so out of reach that you know the average business between you know that's doing between 1 million and i don't know actually you could have a i mean this is a large company we're talking about like that the average sort of non-tech company right um could use this level of data science services um yeah 
which I don't know. I've I've so far I've shied away from being more specific about what um, the sort of offering is here, but or sorry, I I, I haven't been specific about the technical work on this podcast. Um, mainly because I think it's meant for sort of a business audience. So it's not so, um, yeah, I'm not really getting into the technical data side. Um, but yeah, maybe I will. I don't know. I really should sprinkle in more of it, but I just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to really fit for me. So I haven't done that. Um, we'll have to be careful to stay in the center because of making TikToks and Reels to promote this. Okay, who am I actually and what qualifies me to do this? Yeah, so that's that's sort of what qualifies me. Um, I, have, I have a decent amount of experience and I'm, I don't know, I'm interested in, in the solar industry, renewable energy and load shedding more broadly or load shedding alleviation more broadly. It's becoming, it's become very topical and it's actually impacting me now. I mean, we have, we have load shedding right now. So, which is why the lights are so dark. Um, yeah. Anyway. Okay, cool. So moving on swiftly. So this week I had, or last week, it's already Wednesday. Last week I had the first meeting with the first potential client. Um, I think it went well. He's a very cool guy. Um, we just, you know, I was trying to just get to get to know him and understand stuff about their business that's not available online, like their strategy and things like that. Um, yeah, and I think, um, I think it went well. I think I can help them, but you know, I definitely need more information um about their business to be able to you know come up with like a clear plan of what actually we're going to do but i'm not going to speak too specifically to what he mentioned but um yeah there's definitely ways definitely ways that i can help them so at this point actually i've already sent so after the meeting we sort of discussed like okay we're going to have another meeting with more 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 of the team the management team present and i will sort of send some send some you know documentation so they can have a look and discuss and be more clear about what they want and what they don't want um if i were to you know help them out um yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to that next meeting so it's really nice um, that during the holiday, I was able to get a bit of momentum going with this business. But now that, you know, work commit work commitments are coming back. Um, now I'm traveling. Um, you know, I have to finish my master's by the end of February. Like, there's a lot of other stuff that's coming in, which is making me grateful for building up the momentum um but 
it's going to be quite difficult to balance everything over the next couple of months. So, yeah, we're going to see how that goes. I've, <laughs> I don't really have a plan. The, I'm sort of trying to use some of the project management stuff that I've learned to, to balance everything. The main thing is I try and have one, <laughs> one thing going in each sort of project at a time. So, and I'm referring to them as projects, um, but basically, yeah, that's it. I try and have one thing going in each project at a time. So for example, with my masters, I will say I'm working on this chapter or this section until it's done. And then, you know, and I think I've spoken about this as it relates to Edna Labs. Um, but yeah, with my masters, it's just do one little bit until that thing is done. Once that's done, then start the next thing. Um, and that could be like read this paper or finish this chapter or whatever it is. Whatever the most important thing is for me to do at that very moment. There is always an endless list of things to do, right? But for me, what's worked really well is having one thing being done actively being done at a time um and you don't move on to the next thing until that thing that you started doing is done and yeah that's a really good way to build momentum and it isn't always possible but that's sort of the ideal situation that you want to strive for have few things being done at a given time it makes and it works really well when you have this number of things going on at the same time. So, yeah. Then, there's, yeah, that's really the principle. Then the other thing is um, trying to get into some kind of routine. So, I normally live in Cape Town, but as it stands, I don't have a place to live in Cape Town. So... So that's actually another thing that I had to add to my to-do list, which is a place, find a place to live. Um, but yeah, because of that, I haven't really been that good with keeping a routine. Um, I'm sort of like, just, I have like, you know, my bedroom in my parents' house. You know, which is, yeah. I'm staying, basically staying in the guest room, actually. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I don't have like all my stuff and everything. So it's tough to get into like a proper productive routine, but you know, we make do with, with what we have. Um, but yeah, that would be the next sort of principle, um, is to get into some, get into a good routine. Although routine has been a bit of a swear word for me because you know, there was a time where I woke up really early to work on business stuff and then somehow that switched to I end up sleeping. Instead of waking up early, I wake up right before I need to be at my desk to start, you know, work work, like my nine to five. Um, and I end up sleeping really, really late. So, yeah, it's been a bit... In terms of routine, it's been a bit of a, a mess. Um, has been the best routine, but 
maybe this year I will come back. Maybe it'll be something that I'll never get back, but we'll see. I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, just on routine, like, since this year started, I've been telling myself that I'm going to meditate every day, and I just haven't done it. And I don't know why. I really don't, because it's been something that's, that's, when I did it, there was a, a time in my life where I meditated every day, some days twice a day, like, I meditated a lot, and I could feel the difference, it made me feel, it made me feel, I would say, more in the moment, but also not, like, so, like, um, It did make me feel overall calmer, I would say, and weirdly more spontaneous. I don't know. I think I'm someone who's quite in my head a lot, so that's why this podcast helps. Helps. This is my form of journaling, which is why this isn't a proper like production. Um, um, but yeah, meditating used to help quite a lot in terms of just um thinking um sorry just in terms of helping my mental health and um yeah it helped i think it i felt more confident weirdly uh, more spontaneous more creative um i used to be very socially anxious it helped with that like you know with like relating to people and stuff like that so yeah, it was quite good. Um, and I think even now, as I'm like starting to take my career more seriously, I think it will help with that. Um, but I just, I feel like I don't have time. And what I've been saying is like, okay, before I watch series, I'll meditate. But now what happens is I watch series when I eat. So now it's like, okay, like, I only watch series when I eat, so I'm like, okay, am I gonna, at which point do I meditate, do I meditate? I actually didn't, this didn't occur to me until right now, and this is why I haven't meditated, because if, this is a huge tangent, but whatever, <laughs> if I meditate before I watch a series, right, but I watch a series when I eat, then it becomes, I need to meditate before I eat, right? But at which point do I meditate? After I've made my food, which is hot, but before I eat and watch the show. But then by the time I finish meditating, I meditate for about 10 minutes normally. It's just, I just put a timer on and close my eyes and just sit there, kind of a thing. Um, yeah. By the end of the 10 minutes, my food will be cold. So it's like, okay, maybe before I prepare whatever I'm going to have. Okay. So before, so when I make the decision to go eat, I meditate. Okay, cool. Or, or, or rather, right before I start making my food, I meditate. But normally by then, I, I'm, I have like limited time, you know. I have to... You know, it's my lunch break. I have to quickly make food. 
And if I want to watch something that's an hour long, then I have to quickly make the food, like quickly, 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 and eat and watch, and then get back to work. Like, you, you, you see what I'm saying? So that's sort of where that challenge comes in. Um, and no cheating hasn't helped, you know? So yeah, it's a bit of a mess. So I'm just, I'm checking the fan to see when the light comes on because that's how I know that load shedding is over. And load shedding is meant to end at 12.30 and normally they end a bit earlier. Um, but now it's 12.35 and there's still no electricity. But whatever. Actually, yeah, speaking on load shedding, like, this has been horrible, horrible in terms of productivity. I mean, even now, I've never... I've always done these podcasts in one take. This is the first time that I've had to stop it so that I can change something because of load shedding. I think this is actually the first one I've done during load shedding. I'm not sure. But definitely the first one I've done at night during load shedding. Um, but yeah, that hasn't helped. Um, because if I say, you know, like last night, I wanted to work until about midnight. Um, but... There was load shedding from 10 o'clock. So, um, I don't know, the UPS here doesn't work so well. It lasts like five minutes after load shedding starts. Um, yeah, and then there's, once the UPS goes off, there's no, there's no Wi-Fi. So, I can't do anything. I need, I need access to the internet. So, um, I have my little... My little dongle, which, you know, sometimes has data. But actually, actually, I've been using it so much that it's out of data now. So, anyway. Um, but yeah, load shedding has been tough. So, I haven't been able to work, like, late into the night. And then, you know, you wake up and there's load shedding. If, if you don't wake up and it's already load shedding, within an hour of waking up, load shedding hits. So, it just makes being productive so difficult you know um yeah so i don't know i i guess yeah i have to invest in some kind of um i need to get another ups basically <laughs> basically i have to get a, another one um so i can have internet during load shedding yeah um so yeah load shedding hasn't helped and there's a million things to do all the time there's so much stuff to do so anyway um yeah so i'm trying to work on my segues between things that i want to say this is i've sort of been thinking of this podcast as like practice for like talking and telling stories but and maybe it's helped, I don't know, but there's no feedback. <laughs> like, and if there is, it's a, the feedback is like, oh, how many listens did I get to this podcast compared to previous podcasts? Um, specifically for the audio, I mean, for the lab diaries. Um, sure. And I don't know, I guess... I would say that I could definitely improve my 
um, <laughs> my speaking skills because the views or the listens at least to the podcast and the views have been lower and lower each week which yeah which I think I spoke to in the last one or maybe the previous one where I said that I'm doing this for me it's um yeah it's a diary for myself in the future to reflect on and see and even to share with people so they can see how these things get started um so that's what I've been telling myself to sort of console myself about why about or for the fact that no one's listening to this which you know hey it is what it is it's not the most interesting content it is it's literally me speaking to a camera and a microphone for about an hour there's a very small group of people who would find that interesting um so yeah okay um so yeah so i'm using this as a practice for like speaking so i wanted to segue between speaking about load shedding and starting this company by myself and i couldn't find a, a smooth transition so that long story was my transition so i'm practicing a segue so if if i make a clunky segue at some point later you'll know that that's because i'm practicing i'm practicing my storytelling i'm practicing segues and things like that anyway i also think that anyway thing is like it's like i'm dismissing something i just said so i'm not going to do that because i'm the things i say are valid and i'm allowed to say them especially here on my own podcast that no one is forcing me to put to do this you know so there you go okay so load shedding sucks and makes it tough to be productive something else that makes it tough to be productive is starting a company by yourself <laughs> um so i made the decision to start this one completely by myself um the idea is so, okay, so when I say starting it by myself, what does that mean? So, I am not taking on any investors for the foreseeable future. Um, and no employees, <clears throat> no permanent employees for the foreseeable future. Um, and no business partners for the foreseeable future. Why? Um, so, firstly, so in terms of getting, you know, building a business and getting the work done, there's a lot of stuff that I can outsource, like a lot of business functions, like accounting, legal, marketing to an extent, um, a lot of the st that stuff I can outsource. And <clears throat> there's so many digital tools that i can use to make you know to leverage my time better that allow me to do more than i would have been able to do you know trying to start the same business maybe 10 20 years ago so um yeah so i just feel like i don't really need 
to build like a huge um, group of people up at the stage. That being said, there's a reason why a company is called a company. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why a company is called a company. It's you need company, you need people. Um, I think I think there's a thing called a, a theater company or a ballet company or whatever. It's a group of people. It's a group of people doing some artistic thing. In this case, when we talk about you know businesses, a company is a group of people. So I will bring on people at some point, but I think I need to get more clear on the sort of dna of this company before bringing on other people which is why i'm so keen to have like some of my really smart friends you know join me as like freelancers right um i yeah these are people that i trust and a lot of them are smarter than me i will say that a hundred percent um but being good technically doesn't doesn't translate to being um to building a great company it like those are different things they're completely different skills and when you even when you say a great company um peter Thiel has this line i don't love everything about peter Thiel, but he i respect you know his understanding of like building companies he says um and I believe this, that all great companies are different. So, you know, nearly the whole, probably the whole life of this company will be refining what that difference is. What is that culture of it? And so I'm making the decision now to do this pretty much by myself for a reasonable amount of time to, um, you know, decide what that culture and what that difference is going to be of the company. Um, I think inherently it is something that's quite different. It's a data science company created by a black person in South Africa that is meant to be a global, it is from day one, it's a global company. Like all of the thinking is based around being able to go to Europe or US or Asia or wherever and offer our services and be able to, you know, um, speak with people at their level and um, be able to be the, you know, technical people in the room. So, um, yeah, so, and yeah, honestly, even this podcast is an aspect of what the, the culture and the, the DNA of this company is. Like, it's definitely going to contribute to the um, sort of goals. Yeah, to the DNA of the company. Um, here And here's the other thing. So I have my personal goal, right, that I want from the company. For this thing to be sustainable for a long period of time it has to have a a goal that is bigger than me 
right? Like I said, for me, this is nearly like a stepping stone into um, investing. What? Into renewable energy investing, into building renewable energy on the continent. Um, but that's a personal career goal, right? And that can be built into the DNA of the company and maybe it could be, I don't know, I have no idea what this other thing is going to look like. But this thing... Edna Labs needs to have a vision that is compelling to data science and computer science and mathematics and um, all different types of professionals, right, that are going to join the company. It has to have something compelling. It can't just be, oh, Joshua wants to get into renewable energy investing. That's not something that's going to be, I don't think that, actually, there's no way that that's going to be something that's compelling. To convince people to join um so i think that's part of it like i don't want to bring people on that aren't fully bought into what it's going to be people some so i something that's cool is that something that's cool is that um i've been getting a lot of messages um and had a lot of calls I'm saying a lot. It's like a handful um, of messages and calls from people who um, are really interested in, in just in data science, just just because, just because they're interested in data science. And um, that's yeah, that's 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 cool. It's exciting. Like it's. Um, you know, I I think that that shows that there is a um I mean obviously that's in the DNA of the company, but the vision of it could be something that's very data science, um that that has data science at the center of it, like the actual vision, like the place where the company is gonna go, you know. Um, when I think about the thing I'm thinking of right now is ChatGPT, which is a product of um, OpenAI, which OpenAI started as a nonprofit with the goal of um, oof, I don't want to butcher this, but base, but I think the idea was they want to um, harness. AI in or like steward AI into the world safely. I think that was the idea, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, so they want to steward AI into the world safely, which, um, which is you know no i'm missing i'm missing something so it's they want to steward general artificial intelligence into the world safely um which is um if we just go through and define that a general ai would i guess i think i'm not sure be able to do everything that a 
um, human being could do, like in terms of intellectually. Um, and I mean, you know, there's some great human beings, Nelson Mandela. Um, I don't want to just go through all the stereotypical like great human beings. Um, because it seems like they all have some bad, some like dark side to them. But you know, there's some great human beings who've done great things in the world. And there are some horrible human beings who have done horrible things in the world. And I guess the idea is that you don't want a, a general artificial intelligence that comes and is, you know, evil or adversarial to human beings or, you know, whatever. Um, you wouldn't want that. So, um, yeah, so, uh, so OpenAI is sort of, I don't know if it's their vision or their mission, um, but the thing that they want to do is steward, these aren't their exact words, but the, the, I listened to a podcast by Sam Altman, the, one of the co-founders and CEO of OpenAI, and this, that's basically what he said, is that they want to make sure that if there is a general artificial intelligence, they want to make sure that it's safe. That's it. And yeah, so now they've, so it started off as a non-profit. Now it seems like there's like a for-profit subsidiary of the non-profit. That's, that was a whole controversy on its own, but we won't get into that today. So, so you can imagine like, if you have a mission like that, and given you have the funding and everything else that you need, you can get some really impressive people to join you on your mission. I mean, Microsoft has invested or donated apparently nearly $10 billion into this thing. Elon Musk was a early co-founder. Um, I'm sure if we look at, I haven't checked this, but I'm sure if you look at some of the employees of um, um, OpenAI, there's probably some crazy smart people there um and a couple crazy smart and accomplished people there so um i think that's the importance of of having like a great mission is that you can it allows you to attract really great people to help you achieve achieve the goal so so that's just one aspect of the of the vision um i mean of the dna of a company and that's what i'm um I guess that's something that I have to think of um that I haven't really I haven't really thought thought given it much thought um yeah but it is something that I want to do I think it's cool I think it's part of like I spent a lot of time deciding on like the color scheme and the logo all for the website and and stuff like that and um I just find that stuff cool like the creative aspects of, of building a company so yeah so all of that to say that's why i'm doing it alone at this stage yeah okay so oof, still uh, no electricity um Okay, I think we're getting to the end of this, so 
I guess it's time for what they call on the acquired podcast carve outs. I don't know why they call it that. I don't know what a carve out actually is, but at this point they just talk about stuff that they're like listening to or watching or find interesting. So I just wrote down some of the stuff that I've been consuming. So one is um, a podcast I started listening to during work today called Behind the Bastards. And the synopsis of this podcast is, um, you know, hearing the stories of like horrible people. The example they used was Hitler. Um, uh is entertaining right that's basically what they said so they so they made a podcast about this and if you know me you know my like sort of business hero is jeff bezos um and they have an episode on jeff bezos so they're like so i mean their whole thing is like if we're doing an episode about this person this is a horrible person um and yeah hey it's um there's there's definitely some i don't even know how to speak about this there definitely is stuff that he's done that's bad right um but but so far i'm like so they did two parts of this um so the podcast is the podcast on jeff bezos comes in two parts the first part, uh, I'm like halfway through it. They're sort of just speaking about his early life. So, you know, they're not like, there isn't anything particularly evil or exploitative about him outside of Amazon. Except for a certain, a few things. Like, so one thing that's kind of weird is how, um, he like it's like he's assessing everyone's strengths and weaknesses constantly you know um like like he's like everyone is his employee like this is this is so the part in the podcast i'm in now is he has so he's sort of like early career kind of a thing um yeah that's where i'm at in the podcast now but before but i mean you know i'm not explaining this well but <laughs> um so so as an example like if you listen to um if you sort of follow jeff bezos content like any of his speeches and stuff he has a story where he speaks about he calculated how many years of life his grandmother um had lost because she smoked cigarettes and um he told her this and in this in the story the way he tells it you know his grandfather takes him out and he's like listen you're going to discover one day that it's much better to be nice than to be smart something like that that's what he says but then in this podcast they use that story to be like yeah this guy's just continuously just analyzing people and you know assessing their strengths and weaknesses and you know using you know data to like yeah to assess people another example that they mentioned is um 
he's um uh he like analyzes in so when he's in like grade six he um compiles like data on all his teachers and ranks them on their you know ability to teach <laughs> and he like shares this with them you know and it's like that's kind of weird like why is he doing that why is he doing that um so yeah the most sort of unsettling thing to me so honestly they haven't gotten to really any of the business stuff yet they've of course you can imagine they've alluded to um amazon amazon's aggressive union busting um the terrible work conditions um the just the way that they like wring every like ounce of productivity out of people to the point where it's like they don't it's like it's like they're not acknowledging their humanity right um so so they've sort of acknowledged that and have alluded to it but they're still sort of telling the story of him growing up so <laughs> the thing the one thing that i personally find very strange which has i've listened to books about jeff bezos and stuff but just they spend so much time on this and i was a bit like yo that's actually kind of weird and some people don't like some people are like this but anyway i'm bearing the lead here um jeff bezos doesn't like music like that's to me that's crazy like he just not even he likes some kinds of or doesn't like some kinds of music which everyone has their preferences just as a concept just as a thing he just doesn't like music yeah <laughs> that's to me that's very weird um it's like if you go to a party what do you what do you what must happen <laughs> like I don't know. So if he, are you, so are you telling me if he hosts a party, he's not going to play music? I don't know. To me, that was just a little. It just made me be like, okay, what kind of person is this really? Like, who are we dealing with here, actually? Um. But yeah, yeah. But I will say, um, no doubt, from the stories, that guy is incredibly incredibly impressive um and he benefited from a lot of um i mean he was a very smart child but he also benefited from an extreme nurturing environment um and i don't know it it makes me think of like how can i be how can i give even as as an adult how can i give myself a nurturing environment how can i um create yeah create an environment that allows me to be creative and challenges me and pushes me but also gives me the resources i need to live up to the the challenges that i'm presented with um and maybe hopefully one day when i have my own family i'll be able to uh do that provide that kind of an environment for for my children you know give them challenges that 
you know, that sort of push them outside of their comfort zone, but is not something they can't handle and always give them the, you know, what they need to be able to, to get through it kind of a thing. Um, yeah, and instill that confidence that, hey, you actually can do anything. You can do what you set your mind to. You can achieve. You can you can create the life you want for yourself. You know. Um, yeah. Other than that, um, other content is... Um, I've got a lot of... I found a lot of music from TikTok and Instagram Reels. Um, there's... Uh, there's a rapper called Wiki who was featured on a lot of Earl Sweatshirt songs when Earl Sweatshirt, not, I'm saying a lot of Earl Sweatshirt songs, but they work together, you know, they have a few songs together, um, probably 2015, around there, um, but he has this really nice song called Dame Aki, um, I love that song, Wiki Dame Aki, maybe I'll leave it in the show notes or whatever. Um, that song is so nice. It's just, it feels like, it feels like a holiday. It feels like traveling. I can't wait to listen to it in the airport. <laughs> I genuinely can't. It just, it's going to be dope. And then, yeah, Boondocks. I've been watching a lot of Boondocks. Again, the last time I watched it, I was in high school. So it's sort of like, um, um, I'm watching it for the first time. You, sorry, you know what I was just thinking? So, the first season of Boondocks was very funny and obscene and crazy and whatever, whatever. But there was an aspect of, like, social commentary. The second season... I don't know, maybe it depends on my mood, but it feels more like it's... Um, I don't know... It seems like white gaze has like taken over of the taken over the show a bit and it's become just like <sighs> nearly a minstrel show. <laughs> Which you know, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm only like two episodes into season two. Um maybe I'm missing the commentary. Maybe it's you know, outside of my understanding. Um but yeah. So far, it seems a bit, um, you know, yeah, it's like the producers got hold of it and turned it into something else. Anyway, this has been very long. Um, if you're still here, thank you for watching and listening. Um, just a reminder, this podcast is for myself one week from now, a year from now, and 10 years from now. I'll see you on the next one.